0: Well, welcome to Heritage Baptist Church tonight. Uh, I'm glad everybody's here. Pray for our pastor. Uh, one of the reasons why he goes down to Lancaster during graduation week as well uh, is to, uh, he serves as one of the college board directors, and they've got a lot of decisions to make. Uh, that involve, you know, that involves some uh, very heavy financial decisions, and ethics, and, and doctrinal decisions, so forth, like that. So, as you pray for Pastor, I know you all do, continue in prayer that God would give him much wisdom for that. Well, I'm gonna enjoy uh, preaching from the Word of God this evening from Psalm chapter 55. Uh, let's all open our Bibles, if we could, please, to Psalm chapter 55. Psalm chapter 55, verses 12 through 14. Psalm chapter fifty five, verses twelve through fourteen. I believe that the majority of us are there. Let's go ahead and start reading out loud altogether with one voice, verses twelve through fourteen on the count of one, two, three. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. Father, I pray that you bless your word and that our hearts would access to this truth. Father, I pray that would You please pour out Your Holy Spirit, not just upon this preacher, but upon this blessed congregation, Lord God, many of whom have gotten beaten up by the world and the flesh all week long, whoever are struggling with sins, whoever is struggling with submission unto Your will, and that we understand and realize that the enemy, Lord God, is not always out there. Sometimes the enemy is within. And I pray that You speak through me very clearly, very understandably, that those who this is their first time hearing preaching the Word of God, to those who English is not their first language, and for our blessed translators who are translating the Word of God simultaneously right now, that it would be easily understood, and that it would be felt to the heart, and felt to the core, Lord God, because that's where You want it to be. And I pray that You open up our understanding, And let there be a complete change of not just our behavior, but of every single one of our beliefs, Lord God, that you may be glorified. And I pray that you do this for your namesake and for your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. How many of you enjoy having friends? Okay. Uh, this is an interesting sermon. Enemies in the house of God. And I hope that you don't have any enemies here tonight at Heritage Baptist Church. I hope that uh, we all genuinely and sincerely love each other. And uh, sometimes we have to put up with each other, okay? But I hope that nobody in here has any uh, outright enemies, oh man, I just want to, next time he comes around, I just want to, you know, knock the fire out of him. I know that brothers, some of the brothers in the front row can get that way if you know what I'm talking about, okay? A brother is born for adversity. Uh, sometimes I'm not sure whether that scripture is talking about. A brother comes along to help you in adversity, or sometimes your brothers, your physical brothers just cause adversity, okay? But we want to talk tonight about a man by the name of Ahithophel, a man by the name of Ahithophel. David prayed this prayer or had one of his scribes write the psalm right around the time when Absalom, his third son, was causing insurrection all throughout Israel. And David had a right-hand man, a senior counselor by the name of Ahithophel. And Ahithophel had a son named Eliam. And Eliam was one of David's lieutenants. And Eliam had a daughter by the name of Bathsheba. I believe most of you are familiar with that passage where David committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, in the process. And that broke much trust with Ahithophel between David. Uriah was a man of such spiritual caliber that he says here in Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse eleven, Uriah said to David the ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife, as thou livest, and as my soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Hey, beloved. Uriah was a man who was willing to experience discomfort for his master. I want to ask you a question. What kind of discomfort are you willing to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ? The path of least resistance will take you somewhere, beloved, but not to the will of God. You know, I believe God is stewarded unto you and me. This is not in my message, but I believe God is stewarded unto you and me that assembly bill 2943 where it would become illegal to counsel anybody outside of the sodomite lifestyle, because I believe God is trying to see how many of us are willing to go into the open fields for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what open fields represents in Second Samuel chapter 11? It represents vulnerability. Are you willing to make yourself vulnerable for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ? By the way, this is not in the message, but I want to talk about it because AB 2943 is on you and me. And God has given us this trial right here of AB 2943 because God is seeing what will my people do when they are thrown into the lion's den? Tents. Tents. Tents are an interesting study in the Bible. Abraham was a tent dweller. These men right here in 2nd Samuel chapter 11 were tent dwellers. Moving from position to position. There are some positions that we should not move in, our doctrine. Our King James version Bible Baptist distinctions. Bible authority, self-governance, or autonomy of the local church, priesthood or the separation of the believers unto the Lord Jesus Christ, two ordinances of, of believers' baptism and believers and, and closed Lord's table, individual soul liberty, where every single one of us shall give account unto the Lord Jesus Christ of our behavior, separation of church and state that the state doesn't tell us what we can and can't believe, two offices of 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 God-qualified and God-ordained pastors and deacons and saved membership. There are some things we should not move on. But there are some things that we have to be on the move on. Are we on the move when the tides of time come away that we take the Word of God to apply it and fight against them? Hey, beloved... You read about in the book of Daniel where those four, where those three young men were thrown into the fiery furnace. If AB2943 should pass, and I hope it doesn't, that when some of us get thrown into the fiery furnace, that you and your face should not burn in the name, of, should not burn because the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Tense. Some things move our way because God wants to see: Are we going to be faithful stewards of that which comes our way? But back on topic. Ahithophel had a son-in-law by the name of Uriah and and a granddaughter by the name of Bathsheba. And that was the first breach of trust, the first break of trust. You see, beloved, leadership is all built upon trust. Nobody can lead his family, nobody can lead his children except that they trust him. And no leader will be perfect. But he should at least be trustworthy. No pastor, no preacher can preach or lead his people in the church except to be built upon one foundation, the issue of trust. And Ahithophel did no longer trust David. Second breach of trust, we see in in 2 Samuel 13 where Amnon abuses his half-sister Tamar. And because David was still reeling from his sin in Second Samuel 11 and 12, he felt like he could not bring Amnon to justice. So Absalom raises up and, and murders uh, Amnon there in, in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And Ahithophel, watching from a distance, Oh, the king, so powerless. No authority to make any decisions. Beloved, for those of you that are leaders, husbands, fathers, Sunday school teachers, we got to keep it clean. Because if we don't, we need to ask ourselves the question, who will be the Ahithophel that comes along to do damage, as we'll study later in this passage? I'm not defending David's sin. I believe God forgave him. But sometimes the Lord allows certain things, certain wounds to come up to remind us, Don't touch that again. Don't flirt with that again. Don't come near that again. Leaders are human. And because we're human, no leader's judgment is infallible. There's only one thing that's infallible, and that that is the eternal Word of God, which lives and abides forever. But that's why we encourage every person here in this room, you need to spend personal time in the Word of God. You cannot rely upon your parents' walk with God forever. Because God will hold you accountable regardless of what your parents do. or Regardless of what your family does. And beloved, our ultimate direction needs to come from the Scriptures itself. And those who proclaim without false motive. Because there are many things that come up to break trust. There will come up many things that try to break Accountability. And Ahithophel will be one of those people that David prays against here in this passage. And Ahithophel has forgotten that David is the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart. Ahithophel is failing to take into account that David is the man who is Saul's captain of a thousand, the captain of 600 desperados there in that Judean wilderness. And Ahithophel has lost it. David, this is the final straw. I don't trust you anymore. I don't trust you because of your lack of judgment and discretion in the Bathsheba scandal, the Amnon scandal, your lack of ability to take action. And David has been wracked with guilt in all of this. It's hard to make decisions. And sometimes we we will all make decisions. There's not a single person in this room who will not... Be faultless. While we may confess it, maybe there will be some people that come up in our life to act as an Ahithophel, to sow more discord amongst the brethren. And we see how, when Absalom caused his insurrection in 2 Samuel chapter 15, 14 and 15, that Ahithophel was one of those people who came alongside and, and, and joined Absalom, giving Absalom just wicked counsel. Hey, Go and attack your father, hey go 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 know your father's concubines in all the side of Israel. Hey beloved, some of you will be accused, even as Jesus was betrayed even so it will be the destiny of every believer to have at least some one one per, at least one person every person who is a true Christ follower to have at least one person stab you in the back as so they do with the Lord so shall it be unto the follower. God had forgiven David, but Ahithophel had not. And Ahithophel is a picture of every believer, or even an unbeliever, who is here in this room. God knows who who the unbelievers are not. Who retains the wounds created in him by others. David was a wounded man. And I believe there are some wounded believers here tonight as well. And these wounds will heal, but they will leave scars. And there, but there will be some people, and I hope that they're not here tonight, I hope that they're not becoming like here, like Ahithophel tonight, but there are going to be some people like Ahithophel who himself was wounded, and would see those scars, and rather than try to lay a little bit of balm and healing upon them, cause further scars because of their personal vendetta, or a personal problem that they have, with whom, with, with someone that they disagree with. Beloved, in order for you and I to win spiritual battles, you and I will need to identify who the enemies are in order for us to be victorious. Let me ask you something. Who is your enemy? Who do you not just have a slight grievance with? Who is someone that you're hoping that they just slip so that you can have a reason to call them out in public, to shame them in public? Who is your enemy? Who is that person that you are hoping that will just screw up right now, that will just mess up? so that you can personally have your revenge against them. Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of War, said, If you know the enemy and, not, and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not your enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither your, the enemy nor yourself, you will, you will lose every battle. And I believe that there are some people who have been 50-50, because maybe they know what they are, but they don't know who their enemy is. Maybe there's some people who've lost every spiritual battle. They're walking in the course of mediocrity, meaning that they're, they're content to live Christian lives that have no victory and no defeat. Because they don't know who themselves were their enemy. Beloved, who is your enemy this evening? Notice with me the steps on how to deal With your enemies. Number one, we need to identify who our enemy is. Psalm 55.12 says this, It was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. Your enemy, beloved, is probably someone who is just like you. Someone like us. The worst enemies are those who betray us. Because it's someone who's betrayed that trust. Someone who's used the commonalities to come, to come alongside of us and just stab us in the back. Someone who's used the commonalities and just turn it against us. And we're always expecting attacks from the outside. You know, the enemies were, in David's time would have been people like the Syrians and the Moabites and the Philistines, the Ammonites and the Edomites and so forth. But those weren't the most dangerous enemies. Oh, we think, well, if, you know, that, that you know we had someone here recently. Oh, someone from the God the Mother cult knocked on my door and I told him to go away. And I'm glad you did. But you know what? The God the Mother cult is not the worst enemy. Because we're already, we're, already, we're already expecting the enemy to, oh, it's someone who's different from us. But the scariest enemies, the enemies who do the most damage are those who are just like us. Oh well, I'm a Christian Baptist like you. Well, I'm a fundamentalist as well. Oh well, yeah, I believe in what Heritage Baptist Church is doing. That's how they're going to come alongside. Well, I I, I believe I I believe like the way the pastor does, but I, ooh, they just reveal themselves. Most and we think that sometimes oh liberalism, liberalism, and yeah, it is but liberalism is not going to be the one that comes around and stabs us in the back. They almost never attack the church family out front and directly. Because the attacks that usually do the most damage are the attacks from those from the inside. Verse 13 and 14, It was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, my, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Ahithophel was a man who was entirely in step with David. David calls Ahithophel mine equal. They were equal in intellectual capacity. They were equal in terms of of thought process. They thought exactly the same way. They shared the same convictions. They shared the same preferences. In fact, you know, you don't just walk into the presence of a king or a general. You have to, you have to make an appointment with them first. And even if you do make an appointment with them, you don't see the king or the general directly. You probably have to see a member of his staff in order to, in order to, to get any kind of audience with him. But Ahithophel was a man so close to David, he could just walk right into David's presence and not even have to set an appointment. The enemy is someone who is just like you and me. And the worst part is, we don't know who they are just yet. In fact, David even says, Hey, I enjoyed the time I spent receiving wisdom and counsel from Ahithophel. They even worshipped together. They, 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 went to the house, they went to the temple together. They offered the same sacrifices. They went down and, and offered the same prayers and were sprinkled by the same blood. That the, that, the, that the high priest offered upon that altar, David and Ahithophel were lockstep together. And beloved, whoever is your enemy has come so close together with you and me, we don't even know who that person is. The enemy, the person who is sowing discord amongst the brethren, looks just like you and me, worships just the same way as you and me, and does a lot of things just like you and me. I can't remember a single time in the 20 years that this church has been in existence that, you know, there was ever a Catholic crusade against our church. I can't remember ever a time where Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses ever came to this church and ever tried to disrupt the service. Vance Havner once said this, Satan is not fighting churches, he's joining them. He does more harm by sowing tares than by pulling up wheat. He accomplishes more by imitation than by outright opposition. Hey, beloved, we'll talk about this a little more later, but did you know that Judas was such a good fake that when he went out to go betray the Lord Jesus Christ, they didn't even know that he was going out to betray Jesus. They thought, oh, well, he's holding the bag. He might just go buy some things for the feast, maybe go make a deposit at the local bank. They didn't even suspect him. Beloved, whoever the enemy is is someone that you don't even suspect. Thou a man mine equal? I'll tell you who the enemies are: the devil, the flesh, and the world. Okay, but maybe we are our own worst enemy because of decisions that we will make. Maybe we will make. Maybe we are our own worst enemy because of sins that we have refused to let go of, or sins that we continue to walk in, and the Holy Spirit has been saying, "Hey." Sister, brother, get over this. You need to go to the altar and repent of this. But we refuse. A man mine equal, mine acquaintance. Here's how we can identify an enemy. Secondly, do they have deceitful words? Deceitful words. The Bible says here in verse 21 of Psalm chapter 55, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, Yet were they drawn swords. Ahithophel was a master on communication. And that's what makes enemies in the house of God so dangerous. When they talk, it just sounds so good. Just so syrupy, sweet. Just so smooth as silk. But when you step away from them, something in your gut tells you, ooh, something's not right. Where your sense of intuition and the Holy Ghost working upon your conscience says, okay, when I'm with this person, it's all good in the hood. But the moment we step away, there's just something about the way he did things, the way she said things, something's not right. Deceitful words. Hey, deceitful words, beloved, they don't always have to be outright lies. Two plus two equals five. Maybe it's deceitful because our motives are deceitful. Oh, yeah, I wanna, I wanna get up and serve the Lord. Are you sure you're serving the Lord, or are we sure that we're not serving ourselves? There's a lot of things that go on in churches and in the kingdom of God today, beloved, where we say we're serving God, but in actuality we are serving ourselves and our egos. Let me ask you something. Why are you in the ministry that you serve in? What's your motive? What is our motive? What, if, if, if we took away the benefits, if we took away the recognition, would you still serve God if we took away the consequences would you still be holy deceitful words because you know we're in a society beloved that knows how to give the right answer we're trained to do that some of you are our teachers some of you are still in school you're trained to give answers oh what year did the Civil War end 1865 uh what, what year did they sign the Declaration of Independence? 1776. We're trained to give answers, beloved. But are we training our hearts to give the truth? To testify of the truth in Jesus Christ? Because there will be no deceitful word that is spoken before the Lord Jesus Christ when we stand in His judgment seat. We may have deceitful motives right now, but our deceitful motives in our service, which is deceitful, will not stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And someday every single one of us will be revealed exactly for what we are, which is why there will be so many tears shed at the judgment seat of Christ. We may not weep now, but will you weep later? Deceitful words, beloved, that's one of the marks of enemies. Deceitful words with deceitful motives. Beloved, we need to be a truthful people if we're going to give out the truth, because if we're trying to give out the truth, and nobody's getting saved, or people aren't con- or people aren't convinced. Is it because our motives aren't true? Not everybody who comes to church is an enemy, and you know maybe some people are. Uh, I'll talk about this more in a little bit. Maybe there's some people who are maybe they're unsaved, some backslidden Christians, some new Christians who make a few mistakes on their journey towards the Lord Jesus Christ. But those aren't enemies. An enemy is someone who opposes the gospel whether openly or secretly. Oh yeah, I'm on board with the vision but deep down inside they're following they're following something else. An enemy is someone who's manipulative. The Bible says here, "Hey, there were uh there were his, his there was war in his heart. He really was trying to fight the brethren to control them. He was really fighting against them so that they accomplished what he wanted instead of what God wanted." Oh, well, you know, just You know, I don't like the way they did things. Well, as long as they didn't go against doctrine, it's okay. That's a preference issue, brother. Just, you know, move on and find something else to fight for. An enemy is someone who wounds others. Hey, beloved, I believe that murder should be illegal. I said I believe that physical murder should be illegal. But you know what? I believe that verbal murder should be unspiritual. Well, we can call... Our brothers fools and call them raca, which means worthless, you know, and still get away from them. No, no, no. Jesus said that if, we call some, if, if we're not careful of our words, you and I will be guilty of verbal murder. War was in his heart. Beloved, I want to ask you, what's under your tongue? What's inside your heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We know what's inside of us based upon what we talk about. What are you really worshipping? And we we could have a doctrinal statement that says, we could could say, yeah, I I believe in Jesus Christ, but listen to what we talk about. Is it really worshipping Jesus Christ? Or is it following after our hobbies or our own ambitions? Or what we really want in life? Let me ask you something, beloved. Do we have deceitful words? Every single one of us. Do we have it? Hey, beloved, I want to encourage you. Don't be an enemy to the work of God with deceitful words or deceitful motives. Well, Brother Irwin told me not to date so quickly, and I don't like what he said, or I don't, I don't trust him, or I don't like what he said about this. Brother Irwin's not your enemy, beloved. If you have an attitude like that, you will be your own enemy because of your impatience. Well, I don't like what Brother Age has said about not playing with my phone in church, and, you know, about not having the wrong friends. Brother Age is not your enemy, young person. You will be your own worst enemy because of your lack of discernment. Well, pastor said this about taking risks and making greater sacrifices for the Lord. And I don't like what he said. Hey, beloved, just because pastor calls you and I from the word of God to live an uncomfortable lifestyle, that doesn't mean he's your enemy. And if we have that kind of attitude, that means we are our own worst enemies because of our lack of faith. Beloved, do do we have deceitful words and deceitful countenances? Ahithophel tried to be the vengeance of God. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Maybe there's some people who are here in this church who assume that, oh, well, I don't like something I saw in another person. I'm just going to, you know, rough them up just a little bit in in, in the intent and tough love unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we're not the vengeance of the Lord. And yes, there must be times when we confront people and say, hey, I noticed that you posted this on your Twitter or I noticed you posted this on your Facebook page. Is everything okay, man? but vengeance belongs to the lord we may warn people hey dude please don't don't do that man that's not good you know we we may warn people but hey we're not god's vengeance and Ahithophel's problem was this he tried to be the vengeance of the lord by saying okay absalom go shame your father with those 10 concubines on the side of all israel okay Absalom go and and, and attack your father right now while he's still weak Ahithophel tried to be the vengeance of God and beloved if we try our own power to be the vengeance of God we will fail every time because vengeance is the Lord's and he will repay and he doesn't need to use you and me to repay it Ahithophel had an opportunity to restore David instead of using deceitful words use truthful words Hey, David, I don't agree with you did, what, what you just did. We need to make things right. We need to make things right, David, was the attitude that Ahithophel should have had. And I hope that there's nobody in here who's planning like an Ahithophel. I just want this brother to, to mess up. I just want this sister to mess up. He hurt me. She said something she shouldn't have done. She didn't keep her promise. He didn't keep his promise. Hey, I hope you're not dealing like an Ahithophel this evening, beloved. Because that's not in the will of God. Thirdly, beloved, notice with me, here's another... Marker of enemies. They're promise breakers. Promise breakers. Verses nineteen through twenty, the Bible says, God shall hear and afflict them, even they that he even he that abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with them. He hath broken his covenant. I want you to take your pen, and for those of you that are taking notes, even those that aren't taking notes, I want you to underline or circle that word changes. Circle that word changes. It's a very interesting word. Circle that word changes. It's talking about changes in the context of something like changing a shift. You know, uh, some of you might work, you know, eight to five, and then the next shift that comes after you might work five to two, okay? It, it, it might it judges talks about that word changes like changes of clothing like when uh, uh um what's his name samson slaughtered those philistines and, and that's the same word for changes job talks about the same word changes as in a period of time you know we're not always i'm not you know we're not always little children we're not always uh, we're not always babies we're not always young adults we're not always older adults there are changes as shifts in our lifetime And enemies who afflict the house of God and the people of God, they have no change. There's no no growth, periods of growth in their behavior. If they make a commitment, they bring no proof that they'll keep it. Enemies in the house of God are promise breakers. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll keep this promise, but then they never do. And because they never do, they never move on to the next stage of the spiritual growth. And because they they because they refuse to keep their promises, they never move on to the stage of life. Hey, beloved, it's time that we started making promises that we can keep. Oh, well, if I just had a million dollars, I'd, I'd start tithing. Brother, you don't have a million dollars, so start giving the ten dollars that you do have. Oh, well, if I was just called to preach, maybe I'd go soul winning. Well, brother, until you are, you still have a commandment upon you, so go soul winning anyway. Well, if I was just as talented as so and so was, maybe I'd I'd join the choir. Well, until you do, belch it out in the name of the Lord. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. (laughs) Not you know, we'll we'll talk about that later. Okay, you'll you'll learn. Okay, but look at, are you making the promises unto God that you should? Because until you make the promises unto God that you should, there will be no next step in your Christian life like the way it should be. Beloved, what is that promise that God wants you to make? That you have not yet made. God never calls you and me to places of comfort, beloved. He always calls us to stages of discomfort. Even as Jesus who left his throne on high. To suffer amongst people like you and me. Promise breakers are the signs of an enemy. And they never change their behavior because at the end of the day... Enemies in the house of God are always looking out for number one. It's all about me, man. And because they, never, because they stay in that mindset, they never take the next step to make a more difficult promise unto God. Because to do so would drag them out of their comfort zone of living for self. Let me say that again. Enemies of the house of God never make promises with God because to do so would require them to stop living for themselves. Beloved, is there a promise that God wants you to make with Him? Or to make with a brother or a sister or with your parents or with your children today that you've not made because you're afraid that you might not keep it. Look at Altar call time, beloved. It's not always a time to make new decisions. Sometimes it's just to confess old sins. And other times it's just time to renew old commitments that we've already made. When David was anointed king, God had already selected him. The anointing was just a reminder, David, this is a holy task. This is a holy covenant. Don't forget that. And some of us need to be at the altar again. Not because it pleases me or because it pleases preacher, whoever, but because we need to renew our promises with God. We see, number one, we must identify who is an enemy. But number two, beloved, we need to identify who isn't your enemy. Who isn't your enemy. Letter A, sometimes friendly fire happens. Friendly fire happens. You know, we're not perfect. You know, we have to, you know, the Bible says that, that as much as possible, as much as lie within you, live peaceably with all men. Because sometimes, you know, the, the, the crown of the head of the body of Christ doesn't always agree with the soles of the feet of the body of Christ. Any of you ever turn over in your sleep and you bump yourself? Oh, oh, that was painful. Sometimes in the body of Christ, you know, we, we bump each other and we're like, oh, hey, bro, I'm sorry, man. Let me pay for that for you, okay? Look at, friendly fire, majority of the time, is an accident. Okay, and just because someone friendly fires upon you, maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe the dog bit them on the way out. The newspaper, if you still read that, hit them on the head as they were going out. The boss just said, hey, so-and-so called in sick. You need to fill in three different shifts. Oh, my goodness. Ah! You know, the world just just, just doesn't stop, and they they hurt you along the way. Maybe it was friendly fire. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Because look at you know, we're not perfect. Lest we consider ourselves that there'll be times that, that we've been imperfect, according to the book of Ecclesiastes says. Maybe someone did friendly fire and they didn't mean to do it. Let it be the competition. Let it be the competition. Those are not your enemy. Several studies have concluded that America is one of the top five one of the top five most competitive countries to live in. And we're in such a competition-oriented society that there are some church members who think that their other competition is other church members. Oh, well, he posted on something, on Instagram. I'm, I gotta up, one-up him on Instagram. Oh, well, they started having kids. We need to have, start having kids immediately. Oh, well, they had six. We need to have seven. Okay. And it's like people are competing with each other. Who can have the newest phone? Who can have a better family? Who can have a bigger house? And you know what? I'm all for excellence. Whatsoever of thy, thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. Okay, do all things, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. And we ought to work hard at our schooling, our jobs, our ministry, our walk with God. But you know what? The moment we too do things with all our might and make another or brother or sister a competition that threatens my first place, we are guilty of the sins of the flesh. Did you know that the sins of the flesh aren't always just sexual immorality? Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, Strife, seditions, heresies, envyings those are sins of the flesh too, and because we 're in such a competition oriented society, some of us think that we need to be at competition with other ministries. Look at we are not at competitions with other ministries, we need to be at competition against the devil, the flesh, and the world that is your enemy, not your not the ministry that that is next door to you that 's not your enemy, yeah, we may get annoyed, but look at. We can't get annoyed with them forever. How much energy do you want to waste, beloved, getting annoyed at someone else's ministry? You know, we shouldn't feel threatened by other people's success, especially when, when God uses it to bring them, bring it upon them honestly. The competition's not your enemy. Hey, new Christians, beloved, those are not your enemy either. Hey, when people come to their, to our church, they don't always have their doctrine alright, uh, they don't always have their private lives alright, but look at that's not, that's not a place for you and me to start attacking them. What if, what if instead of being patient with them, someone was impatient with, with you as you are with them? New Christians are not the enemy. Hey, uh, you know, just uh, wounded Christians are not our enemy. The Bible says in, in in the Bible says in, in 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 Proverbs that a wounded spirit who can bear? Psalm chapter thirty one says this. I'm like a broken vessel, and a lot of people come to church and they're just hurting, they're grieving. Look at those are not the enemy. The enemy is the one that's trying to divide this church, and broken Christians are not the enemy, beloved. Maybe someone who did have a a genuine hurt. Maybe they didn't communicate it to you the way you exactly wanted to, but look at, they're not your enemy. What are we gonna do? Just let them bleed there or are we gonna bind them up in the name of the Lord? We need to be, this needs to be the EMT minute, the spiritual EMT ministry of the Heritage Baptist Church. We look for wounded people, people that have gotten beaten up in the world all week long. We look to pour, pour some salve upon their wounds and heal them in the name of Jesus Christ. We may not have the gift of healing, but we may have a Bible verse in our back pocket to heal some broken spirits. Different groups within the church, letter E, those are not your enemy either. Different groups in the church. Hey, the church needs to be organized, but it cannot be isolated from other groups. Teenagers, young people, children, your parents are not your enemy. As long as are not feeding you anti-Bible, anti-Jesus, or anti-God philosophies, they deserve our respect. Young people, someday you're not going to be a child forever. Someday, young man, young lady, you will be in a position of leadership yourself. And when you have to make tough decisions for, for people that are under you, you will understand why your parents set boundaries for you, and why so-and-so sets, why a preacher so-and-so, or a brother Sunday school so-and-so sets for you Boundaries. Senior Saints, Boomers, Gen Xers, we millennials will drive you absolutely nuts. But we can either invest into the the millennial or the Generation Z generation, invest into them with Jesus, or divest into them by continual negative comments. We cannot push away the people that are coming after us forever. We are either going to invest in them with the Lord Jesus Christ, in spite of their mistakes, in spite of their shortcomings, or we're going to divest into them and watch the church die, and it will be our fault. Young people my age or so, the safeguards that are in this church, and the the senior saints and the seasoned saints who do so, do not set them because they are our enemy. They do so because they're trying to protect you and me from making foolish decisions. You follow after closely, after non-biblical Baptist people on Twitter or whatever your social media feed is, pretty soon you'll be throwing out your KJV, cutting back on your soul winning and true discipleship, listening to the fake nightclub Christian music out there and having a caustic attitude. And by the way, some of us who think that fundamentalists are harsh, and I don't deny there's a couple of fundamentalists out there that are harsh, the new fundamentalists that are out there are equally spiteful in a passive-aggressive way. And being passive-aggressive is not spiritual, last time I checked my Bible. Same carnality, different expression. Envyings, wrath strife, seditions. Dr. Getch once said this, the young want to change the world, but the old want to change the young. A spirit of repentance is allowing God to change us even where we're wrong. Let's not let the culture get in the way of Jesus working in our hearts. Giving none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Number three, beloved, look with me. The solution against enemies. The solution against enemies. Letter A, pray against their counsel. Some of us who've ever read the book of Psalms realize, man, David had some pretty angry prayers against people. Yeah, but we don't know if if God ever actually answered all those prayers. And we have to remember that in the context of those prayers, David was not just a prayer warrior believer, he was also a military leader, so he would have to pray for protection against physical enemies. But there is one prayer that we know that David prayed that God answered. Oh Lord, turn the counsel of of Ahithophel to foolishness. And when someone berates you in public or private on the internet or they just berate you, they just act foolishly, maybe rather than just, you know, you know, go, you know, like you're going to knock, knock them out, maybe it's time to pray, Lord, turn their counsel into foolishness. That when they say, hey, we're going to call the police upon you for, for, for preaching Jesus. Oh, we're, we're going to excuse you from your job for preaching Jesus. And they don't. Maybe it's time for us to pray, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness. Because you know what you're doing there, beloved. You are exercising true faith by leaving vengeance up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Justin, you're making it sound really simple. It is simple. It's called believing that God keeps His promises. Do you believe God keeps His promises? If so, then you're going to pray the next time someone attacks you, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness, and I pray that he'd get saved, or I pray that he'd get right with God on his way over, that, and during the time that you turn his counsel into foolishness. But let her be, beloved. Pray for them. Pray for them. Psalm chapter 55, verses 16 and 17, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning at noon, will I pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. Verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But I say unto you, love your enemies, pray for them that despitefully use you and hate you. Do good unto those that do you evil. We are in such a vengeance oriented society beloved I believe the world is looking for true Christians who will change that pattern of behavior that instead of doing dirt with dirt maybe we don't overcome evil with evil but we do what Romans chapter 12 says be not overcome with evil but overcome evil with good who is your enemy beloved are you your own worst enemy are you someone else's worst enemy Who isn't destroying your spiritual life, beloved? Not everybody that walks through the, through the doors of this church is competition. And some of us that are very comp- competitive need to may, may need to lay that, that attitude at the altar this evening. And die to self every single day that not everything is for me to, to outdo someone else. But rather, all glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray it through, beloved. Sometimes the Lord may lead you to pray for something entirely different. As you pray for your enemies. That hour of of prayer that Dr. Van Gelden recommended from the book of Mark. Where the disciples could not watch and pray with Jesus for one hour. Maybe it's not just always praying about ourselves and for our friends and loved ones. When was the last time we carved out a space? To pray for those who spitefully use us and abuse us. Beloved, let's have an I believe here. I believe that God will protect you and me from the enemies in the house of God. Shall we all stand, please, as we prepare for the invitation altar call? Beloved, I'm not exactly sure what kind of commitment you need to make unto the Lord, but if your commitment with the Lord during the altar time tonight, whether or not we have a pianist, maybe it's time for us to give the warfare unto the Lord. Maybe it's time, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, maybe instead of, you know... Maybe we have, may have to renew a new covenant with God and say, Lord, I need you to defend me, and to keep me from being an enemy to someone else. Enemies in the house of God. Who is your enemy? Who isn't your enemy? Is it a root of bitterness that will cause you to make enemies with someone else? Is it something that you're bitter from that you past, that you're allowing to seep over into your spiritual life? Is it a spirit of not forgiving other people? Ahithophel's end was terrible, beloved. When God turned the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness, Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed and he went and hung himself. Many people will strangle their spiritual lives because they hold on to their bitterness. Because they decided they would be someone else's enemy. Beloved, I want to ask you will your spiritual life, holding on to bitterness, cause you to be your own worst enemy and end itself right there? And you may even be sitting in a church, you may be even sitting in a seat. But long ago, the fruitfulness stopped because of bitterness. Beloved, I beg of you, by the mercy of God, don't let your bitterness strangle you, even as it did for Ahithophel who hung himself, even as Judas would go hang himself many years afterwards. Husband and wives, you're not enemies. Children, you're not enemies with your parents. Father, your people have listened so well this evening. I pray that you help us to live according to Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers, For they shall be called the children of God. Of this congregation who is here. That have battled long work hours and long commutes. And all the oppressions of the flesh and the world and of the devil. Turn them into peacemakers I pray O Lord. By the power of your spirit. That Lord they would recognize that the enemy lies within our very hearts. By the sins of the flesh. And that they would do everything in their power to protect the unity of the body of Christ. To protect each other's spiritual lives. To protect us O lord god from the enemy I thank you lord that you have bruised the enemy under our feet. We claim that promise But lord he needs perpetual bruising because lord he's always looking to sow discord amongst the brethren And I pray that you'd have mercy upon this church You've had mercy to allow her to continue for 20 years But we need more of your mercy to continue for many more years Against the attacks and the insults Of the enemy lord Thank you for your people. Help them to continue in their commitments unto you, Lord. And help us not to be our own worst enemy. Help us not to be the enemy of God, nor the enemy of this church, nor the enemy of any brother or sister here at Heritage Baptist Church. Help us to know you and love you and walk with you, and to renew our commitment with you every single day, Lord. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus, our God and our Savior. Amen.